The Sport Industry Access Podcast, episode 115. How can fan engagement strategies enhance the fan experience during a live sporting event? Welcome to another episode of the Sport Industry Access Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to interview a special guest who is a sports expert in a specific field in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in sports business. So I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Blair Hughes. Blair is a fan engagement specialist where he really specialises in event management, sports marketing and even human behaviour related to fan engagement. I have to say I'm really fascinated about Blair's line of work and it's great to have him on the show. That's why in today's episode, Blair will share his sports career journey and explain to you how fan engagement strategies can really enhance the sporting event experience for the fan. Blair, it's great to have you on the show. Please, can you share your sports career journey to listeners? When did it all start? Oh, thanks, mate. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a distance between us, uh, but uh, in this digital age, it's obviously a lot easier to, to talk, isn't it? So um, thanks for having me on for, for first things. Um, look, I think for myself, it probably goes back to 1999 or 1998, I think, when I guess my first job in the sports business, if, if you can really call it a job or entry or whatnot into it, but uh, I used to sell uh, sports programs at my Aussie Rules football club, and I think they were a dollar and I got 10% commission, so 10 cents per uh, per copy of that magazine or whatnot back in the day, and, and that was sort of, you know, just my first little entry, and, and then I went on to work at the, the famous Gabba Cricket Ground up in Brisbane in uh, in Australia, scene of many uh, great summers for the Australian cricket team, and also the, the Brisbane Lions Aussie Rules team, and and that was a great sort of first entry into, you know, the first job I had there was basically uh, cooking chips and cooking pies and pouring beers and, and things like that, you know, really working uh, the, the bottom of the, the ladder kind of thing and sort of trying to work my way up. And, and I did that over about six years to then manage bars and run hospitality suites and and uh, and those kind of things at the uh, at the Gabba. And, and that sort of then led, for myself, you know, it was very much a, a case of, uh, I, I finished university. I, I studied an education degree and a behavioural studies degree, and then I uh, went over to England and uh, I, I taught over there for a few years, and that was a fantastic experience. And I was only about 21 or so, so I was quite young to sort of go over there and didn't know anyone, and went over there and it was a fantastic opportunity to to teach kids over there and uh, and really sort of get some great life experience as well, and and uh, start to go to the Premier League and things like that. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, basically I was working in the music industry at the same time. So I was 
running this uh, this record um, uh, company and uh, PR, uh, sort of doing some PR and doing some event management stuff. And that was a great way to promote Brisbane bands in the UK and sort of help them out when they were coming over and touring. And, and yeah, so um, started doing all that and, and then uh, had a fantastic time working across the music industry and working across teaching and combining my two loves of obviously, uh, you know, working with, um, working with uh, kids and especially adolescent teenagers as well. Um, who, who I had a really good uh, time being able to work with them and then working in the music industry as well. Um, and then basically I uh, also uh, sort of – after I left teaching after a while, I decided to um, uh, sort of see what was out there in the, the sports space and maybe try to get back into sport. I went back over to your way and asked a whole bunch of clubs uh, if I could, uh, you know, get an internship or work there or something along those lines and, uh, you know, asked a, a heap of clubs. And lucky enough, um, you know, Queens Park Rangers, a uh, bit of a, a lifeline, bit of a role and had an amazing time there. And uh, then I was sort of found off Twitter to run uh, the head of operations for Audio Boom, uh, a digital audio startup podcast platform here in Australia. And that led to working with a whole bunch of sporting teams and leagues and probably a 20-year journey across a, a few different industries. But when I tie it all together, um, a lot of it comes down to, you know, working with people and and engaging people and, uh, and, and sort of finding some great ways to deliver some exciting experiences. So, yeah. Well, all I'm going to say, what a fascinating journey, Blair. Look, I've got to go back, my man. Just going back to your academic background, could you go in a bit more detail of what you studied, especially with regards to human behavior? Yeah, for sure. So a uh, bit of a story here. I mean, when I was uh, in, in in school, I used to get bullied a lot. And uh, I, I was a big kid. And I think I wanted to then sort of go in and, and study, um, you know, why people do the things that they do. And uh, this might seem a bit weird or whatnot kind of thing, but <laughs> I, uh, I had teachers, I guess, that didn't kind of um, – I mean, when I was being bullied or didn't sort of do anything about it. And I sort of made, a, I guess, a pact when I was younger that – I'd make sure that when I was a teacher, I'd make sure I'd look after every student that was in my care and, and you know, make sure I, I go the extra mile kind of thing. And uh, so that, that sort of led, in a way, to doing the behavioral studies degree, um, which was very much sort of learning about uh, why, you know, the psychology behind uh, why people do the things they do and definitely along the lines of human behavior and and looking at adolescent psychology and, and how you, you then go on to teach adolescent students who I, who I taught for about eight years or so. And then, yes, I, di I did an education degree at the same time. So I sort of did the behavioral studies one and then I did the education one. And then about a month after graduating, I, I jumped on a plane and I was over in England and uh, I was teaching in Mildenhall out in, in Suffolk. And, uh, and then I spent some time in London as well, um, in South London teaching there, which was a fantastic opportunity to teach some really uh, some rough kids, but some kids with great heart. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people sort of talk about South London being a bit of a rough area, but uh, I had a fantastic time there. And, and obviously, as an Aussie, uh, as, a, as a white Australian in, in uh, a lot of African-Caribbean classrooms, um, you know, the kids love me for just being able to say crikey like Steve Irwin and, and stuff like that. So it was a uh, it was a fantastic opportunity and a great learning experience for me. And, and that's kind of what I'm about. It's 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 all about the uh, 
the life experiences and uh, and I sort of put that into a lot of my work as well. So it's it's this kind of diverse background um, across a, a bunch of different kind of industries and and whatnot. But uh, when when you tie it all together, as I said before, it kind of really comes down to people and uh, and uh, finding the right ways to uh, to to help people. Yeah, absolutely. Just looking at sport as a bigger picture now. Relating to your 20 years of experience in different industries, how have you seen the sports industry develop within that time? Wow. Uh, I guess one word, digital or technology. Uh, look, you know, it's just – it's changing every type of industry I, I guess but there's so many issues in the in the sports industry now whether it's from the the changing landscape and what technology is doing and I certainly do a, a lot in that space whether it's from looking at you know the latest technology wearable jerseys there was a team down here recently on the weekend that just debuted a, a wearable smart jersey um, you know we've got hologram press conferences now and and uh, there's there's so many different types of things that are, that are coming into the industry but I think one of the, the, the great things is, and I'm a huge um, uh, passionate fan of this as well, is the rise and rise of women's sport and the fact that, you know, crowds, are, records are broken every day and participation rates, and especially here in Australia and I know over there as well, they continue to rise. Um, so it's it's really uh, a, a huge booming area as well, and obviously for broadcasters and for um, you know venues and uh, and sponsors, it's a new area as well. So the women in sport, um, you know, finally um, they're, they're getting their, their day, and there's still a lot of work to be done, but um, it's great to see the the positivity around that as well. Absolutely. Just relating to the listeners listening in now, with regards to pursuing a career in the sports industry, in your opinion, what career skills have supported you? Yeah, um, it's a really, um, you know, I guess diverse question in a way because I think a lot of the skills that I could list, whether it's kind of, you know, being flexible or, um, you know, having good time management skills or good listening skills, I think you definitely need those kind of things. But I think, you know, you really need to be flexible um, in this industry. It changes every day. There's always something new happening. Uh, I think, you know, you definitely have to be enthusiastic and, and have a willingness to have a go and, and put your hand up and sort of take on a new challenge. Um, uh, you know, I've, I've sort of said about listening and time management and problem-solving skills is always one that I think is is a one to sort of be able to think outside the box and be a bit creative as well. Um, I certainly try my hardest in this industry to be a leader and to be an educator. And I think if you can try to do those kind of things and, and sort of put yourself out there as someone who wants to educate and wants to help the community, um, then it, it's a great thing to be able to just, um, you know, be that kind of educator. And I guess that's the, the teacher side of me that kind of comes out, which people know of me in this industry. They know that I, um, you know, want to help and I'm not sort of, uh, too bogged down sometimes by you know whether it's conflicts of interest or things like that because I want to be able to help anyone and everyone and whether that's a student um, you know I get contacted by students all over the world who want to know that same question what skill sets do they need and things like that or whether it's talking to CEOs um, you know I think it's really important that um, you can you can show that you're a leader and show that you want to be able to to educate others as well um, and I think, you know, a part of that is definitely being a lifelong learner and, and making sure that you continue to learn, continue to read and and continue to network um, within this industry. Um, but I think if I, if I had to think of one more little thing that I would say is a, a major skill set in this industry, and I heard a great quote about this the other day. Uh, along the lines of of this topic and you know you've got to be a team player you've got to be able to work in a team 
And I thought this quote that I, I read the other day was a really smart one. And it basically said, it's amazing what can be done when no one gives a damn about who takes credit for it. And I think that's a really smart line that I've sort of written down, you know, as part of my learning and the work that I do and things like that. Because I think, you know, you can't be in this in, in this industry and sort of think that you're out for yourself or anything like that. You've really got to put yourself out there and, and work as a team. Um, and I know that's something that, you know, everyone sort of says in any job or anything like that. But within the sports business, it's incredibly important to be able to be a team player. That is a fantastic quote. What inspired you then, Blair, to specialise in fan engagement? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think um, a lot of it goes back to um, that little story I said about being bullied at school. I, I know it probably sounds a bit weird or how do you how do you join those two together or something, but I think for me, I'm always looking out for people, and I think a lot of people would say that about me. They they know that you know I'm someone that will go the extra mile for someone, and and uh, I care a lot about people, and I care a lot about um, you know what I what I what I do with my uh, my time on a game day and things like that. And so, I think um, working in that fan engagement space, I've always been about putting customers first. And I wouldn't say fans are customers. I never like to say that, of course. But um, whether I've worked in the music industry or whether I've worked in education, it's putting my students first. It's putting my the people that come to my gigs first. It's it's putting the fans first um, and making sure that they have the best possible day out. So, you know, making sure that they have the best experience, they get bang for their buck. Um, and yeah, and I think, you know, when I tie those kind of, um, parts together about, you know, looking after people and working in this fan engagement space, um, it it sort of summarizes, you know, where I come from and what I'm about and and why I love what I get to do basically. So, I mean, it's, I get to attend sporting events all over the world and I get to talk to fans. I'm, I'm living the dream and yeah, it's amazing. Look, what you're talking about, Blair, really relates to today's podcast topic. How can fan engagement strategies enhance a sporting event experience for the fan? Yeah, and and so look, you know, I guess one thing is to talk about, I guess, what is fan engagement? I mean, it's such a, a buzzword and it's sort of overused and I'm probably guilty of overusing it a lot as well. But, you know, at the core of it, you know, the way I see it, it it's really about looking after those people that come through the gates and making sure that because there's so many uh, leisure activities on, it's making sure that they have the best possible day out that they can um, in the game. And I guess, you know, when you look at sort of, you know, what, what fan engagement strategies or whatnot you can do, I think a lot of it is about that idea of providing, you know, some kind of interesting, fun, immersive experience, um, you know, and it's about new ways to sort of interact with the team or with the venue. Um, and, you know, teams and, and sponsors and venues all over the world are doing these on game day so that when people come to the game, they're getting a better experience than if they stay at home and watch on their big TV, which is one of the big challenges for the sports business at the moment, um, is the idea of people sort of thinking that they've got everything at home, whether it's craft beer or uh, whether it's, you know, um, you know, easier access to better food. And now what you're seeing is a lot of stadiums getting craft beer and getting better quality gourmet food or food trucks in and things like that so that 
the, the fan experience and that whole fan engagement aspect um, becomes better than anything that you can actually get at home, which we all know a sporting event will never compete with, you know, your widescreen TV at home. Um, but it's about making sure that those fans that sort of are at home watching it on TV or whatnot can realize that, hey, you can actually get all this stuff now at the venue. And that's changing the world over with, with venues. So I think, you know, a lot of it too is kind of about building deeper connections between fans and sponsors and and the league or, or venues as well and all those stakeholders as well so that, again, you know, you're getting a better quality experience um, than perhaps going to the movies or or going to a different leisure activity as well. It's, it's really about bringing that all together. Um, and sport is just such a great way to be able to bring the community and society together as well. So, um, yeah, and, and look, you know, I, I think in another sort of an example of it, I guess, is sort of, um, you know, it could be as simple as, as just having players sign autographs after a game. So much of fan engagement can be so cost-effective kind of stuff. Um, it can be as simple as, you know, player autographs, and it could be as diverse and technological as one of the interesting little uh, sponsor activations we recently had down at the MCG, the Melbourne Cricket Ground here in Melbourne, where they had a, a Google Home Mini pie shop where fans were able to go in and ask Google Home Mini, the, the little, the little uh, smart home device, um, you know, two questions, and then they either got a pie or a hot pie at the footy, or they won a Google Home Mini, and it was just a really well set up um, sponsor activation for for a fan engagement. A little bit of fun there for fans. So, you know, I think my big takeaway about the whole fan engagement part is that it, it can be very cost effective. It can be very um, simple to do, um, and it's the little touches. I often go on about how there's little touches that you can make um, to a venue, and and uh, a good example just of that too is there's a stadium here that has um, about five different types of salt for your chips. So we all think, oh, we go to the game and you just get, you know, normally food at a lot of stadiums can be quite bad and, and whatnot, but here's a stadium that's made one little decision to do something, a little, a little small kind of change, um, and it's had great effect with the fans there who just uh, think it's a fantastic idea that they can get different types of salt instead of just normal salt. Blair, thank you for sharing those examples. Would you mind sharing to listeners your website and blog? Because I think it'd be a fantastic resource and you've done some great work on it. Yeah, for sure. So my website is just uh, Mr. Blair Hughes at uh, or MrBlairHughes.com. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at, uh, at Mr. Blair Hughes as well, um, which is sort of just the teacher tie-in part there. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of resources on my website for fan engagement. Um, there's a lot of articles that I've written around, you know, what's happening in this space. Um, but a lot of the work that I do is on Twitter as well. So I'll often be sort of posting a lot of stuff there uh, as well. And, and I also put together a, a monthly fan engagement journal called Fans HQ as well. So yeah. Just uh, going back to your career now, what have you been up to recently? Well, it's been a busy couple of months. There's been a heap of conferences on in the last couple of weeks. Um, there's been a fantastic esports one on here, learning all about the, the rise of esports. Um, I've done a women in sport conference, a sports analytics uh, conference. Um, and a lot of it sort of at the moment uh, putting my resources together for the community and for the for the industry and uh, and that's my fans HQ book which I, I put out each month which is kind of a recap of all the the game days that I get around to uh, I did the ice hockey on the weekend I'm in Sydney this weekend for two rugby league games and uh, and a Sydney Swans AFL game 
so yeah, it's it's. I'm always out and about. I'm always out there talking to fans and uh, and always um, trying to educate the industry and show the industry what the great things uh, teams and venues are doing. Because there's always something uh, at a venue that I see that could be replicated somewhere else, or or an idea here and there that uh, that another team could maybe potentially use for their fans as well. So yeah, Blair, that is so great to hear. Just on a personal note, what have you enjoyed the most from your career looking back right now? Yeah, I think um, I think one of the the main things is making those connections across the globe, whether it's been from music to sport to education, um, and being able to really sort of uh, you know learn every day from from different people and from different industries and and bring all that together to the work that I do now. And I think it's a great thing to be able to learn every day from my colleagues and uh, and to be able to also sort of educate them back as well about what's happening. Um, you know, I've been so lucky to be able to travel the world and, and meet fans and attend sporting events um, and things like that all over the world. So I think I'll, I'll look back when I'm when I'm a lot older and sort of be able to go, wow, I really did some incredible things there. And, you know, in the last five years, I've done about 200 different venue visits all across the globe, where it's getting up to about 200. Um, and that's, you know, across India, Japan, Australia, the US, the UK, um, Europe. So I, I love nothing more than sort of getting out there and, and talking to fans and, and sort of seeing what's happening all over the world for these uh, fan engagement space. Um, and, you know, a lot of that just plays into, you know, finding these diverse experiences and opportunities to continue to grow as a person as well. So, yeah. Wow. I'm just blown away with how many visits you've done in the last uh, five years. Look, you've certainly inspired me, Blair, and I feel like we're at a great stage of the interview where I'd like to finish with an inspirational question. What advice would you give to university students who want to pursue a career in the sports industry? That is a fantastic question, and I think it's really vital. It's a question that I ask in my Fans HQ book each month as well To when, when I interview colleagues in the sports business. And, look, I think um, one of the main things that you can do is kind of don't go into this industry um, kind of wanting to meet sports stars or, um, you know, because of sport or things like that. I mean, go into this industry with, with a plan and to really sort of think about, you know, why do you want to work in sport? Is it because it, it's, you know, sport's such a great driver of the community and society and has so many positive, um, you know, aspects? Um, and really sort of looking at that idea of, um, you know, what you can offer this industry as well. Um, I think it's absolutely vital in this industry to continue to learn every single day, um, you know, make sure that you're learning, make sure that you're asking questions, make sure that you're networking um, with other people uh, within the industry. So whether that's going to conferences, whether that's reading, whether that's just, you know, getting out there and, and doing the game day uh, experiences, kind of like what I do as well. So it's, it's really, um, you know, important to make sure you never stop learning. So that's another one. Absolutely. And what a fantastic piece of advice. Blair, how can people interact with you online? Yeah, sure. So my Twitter account is just at Mr. Blair Hughes, uh, where they can find me there. I'm on LinkedIn as Blair Hughes as well. Um, my website's www.mrblairhughes.com. Um, and yeah, just, you know, if you if you ever have a question about fan engagement or if you're a student, you know, particularly out there as well, um, obviously, you know, the, the teacher side of me will always be one that um, I'll always be, be there to sort of help uh, young people, especially um, enter this industry and, and try to help 
help them as best I can with any advice. So, um, yeah, feel free to reach out. I'm always available to, uh, to have a chat. That is great. To all the listeners listening in, all those links will be on my website relating to this blog post. Blair, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, mate. Cheers. What a fascinating sports career journey from Blair. And I have to say, I always enjoy speaking to people around the world. And to hear Blair's enthusiasm in the work he's doing, it just makes me so motivated because this is what the sports industry is all about. But with regards to Blair's story, the biggest learning lesson I've taken from this podcast chat is put yourself out there. That's the number one thing I've learned from this podcast chat. And it all started relating to Blair's journey of when he started to be a teacher. When he came to the UK, he was in a totally different environment and he put himself out there and he really enjoyed helping people, especially as he said, adolescents, which as he said, London and the parts where he was teaching, it's quite rough, but he put himself out there and he enjoyed his time. And same with regards to how he had his breakthrough moment with QPR. He really had that passion to put himself out there to really get his breakthrough moment. But with regards to the skill sets and with regards to having the ability to work in the sports industry, I really do hope you put into practice what Blair said right at the end, that really your learning never stops. And where you add value is key with regards to starting and really getting your breakthrough moment in the sports industry. So look, I really do hope you enjoyed this podcast chat and really apply what Blair said and really put it into practice relating to your sports career adventure. Do it today, take action, hustle hard, and good luck. Now, as always, at the end of each interview, I like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Blair said, get yourself out there and focus on what you can offer to the sports industry and never stop learning. 